This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Hosted by Katie Milkman, an award-winning behavioral scientist and author of the best-selling book, How to Change, Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Hear true stories from Nobel laureates, authors, athletes, and everyday people about why we do the things we do. Listen to Choiceology at schwab.com slash podcast or wherever you listen. Hey, listeners, it's Valentine's Day, as you probably know, a time to celebrate the romantic relationships you might have and maybe think about the love you'd like to have. So we thought it was a perfect time to reach into the how-to vault and pull out one of our classic all-time episodes. A few years ago, a listener named Sharon reached out to the how-to hotline. She wanted help landing a husband. But before she could do that, she wanted to have her first kiss. We brought in an expert matchmaker who gave some great advice and a little tough love to help Sharon find what she's looking for. Here's former how-to host Charles Duhigg. So you reached out to us, Sharon, because there was something that you're you're struggling with right now. Tell me a little bit about that. So I'm 38. I've never had a boyfriend, but I would very much love to be married. So, so just to make sure I sort of understand, so you're 38 years old. I think it's safe to say, based on what you've told me, that that you haven't you haven't had sex with a man. Um, have you? That's correct. Have you ever kissed a man? I have not. This is How To, and I'm Charles Duhigg. A few months ago, I got an email from a listener that caught me a little off guard. The subject line read, 38 and never been kissed. The writer of the email said she realized that to most listeners, this is kind of weird. She wrote, and I'm quoting her here, it's a bit weird to me too. Listeners, meet Sharon. I'm originally from Michigan. I've been down here in Nashville about a year. I'm a nurse over at Vandy. And tell me a little bit about about your relationship background. It's very short. (laughs) (laughs) I went to a large high school, and and there were lots of cute boys, but uh, I, I never dated. I was never... I never was asked out, and no one ever asked me on a date, and and I'm fairly traditional in, in how I approach dating, and so I wouldn't have been inclined to ask anybody else out, and so college was very similar. Uh, I went to a small private Christian school, and there was not a lot of casual dating. It was almost like, oh, I think I want to marry you, so let's go on our first date. And so <laughs> I didn't go to college to get married, but I just kind of assumed it would happen as a byproduct. Like I would get a degree and a husband. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, obviously that didn't happen. It's worth noting that this is kind of surprising because Sharon is a bit of a catch. She's well-educated and she likes to travel. She's funny and attractive and into hobbies like ballroom dancing. Why didn't the stars ever align? Like, I really don't have any any insight onto that. I mean, I and I realize that that my faith and my relationship with God is is very different than than how most people. It certainly has a huge impact on how I see dating and and um, the general perspective on on how I think. <laughs> but that being said. There's lots of religious men out there. And so Sharon just kind of assumed that, you know, 
someday she would meet the right guy and, and one thing would lead to another and she'd have her first kiss and then get married. But then a few years went by and then a decade and then she was 38 and she had a great life, a, a good career. She'd lived abroad, but she had never had a boyfriend or a kiss or really any idea of what to do next. I did online dating for years. I still, I would say, dabble in it occasionally. Uh, and so I've been on several first dates from from guys that I've met online, and it just never went anywhere for, for various reasons, mostly either because they weren't interested or another very specific reason, which we can talk about. Uh, What's that specific reason? I don't want to have children. And okay. that has really been a huge stumbling block for the majority of guys that I've met. And so Sharon's wondering, as she's approaching 40 years old, is it too late? It would be sad to me to get to the end of my life and have never been kissed or to have sex. I also feel as though I have accepted the fact that that might be true, that I could die a virgin or die having never been kissed. And I think it's kind of a bummer, but it's not enough of a bummer for me to compromise in that area of my life. Can we help Sharon find her heart's content? Or at least her first kiss. On today's episode, we'll see how our matchmaking skills stack up. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Built for the modern explorer, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. And cargo capacity means more room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. A vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hello, Slate listeners. Do us a favor and help us make a better Slate by answering our survey. It'll only take a few minutes. You can find it at slate.com slash survey. We're back with Sharon, our 38-year-old virgin who wants a husband. And to help, we thought it might be useful to bring in a professional. And so we found a modern-day high-tech Cupid, who spotted her own husband across a room and then proceeded to pick him up. He has tattoos. And so I said, hey, tattoo boy, where'd you get those tattoos? And he said, hey, little darling, come sit down next to me. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I went and sat down next to him. 
This is Lisa Clampett, who has helped hundreds and hundreds of men and women find love. She runs this very elite matchmaking service in New York City, where she has been very, very successful. In part because she knows how hard it can be out there, especially a little later in life. So interestingly enough, I was 39, even worse. (laughs) Um, I had been married before, um, but I didn't have kids. And my mom would always say, you're going out on all these dates and you're always finding fault. And and I was like, ah, they're they're boring. And then I finally was like, you know what? I'm ready to get married. And literally... When I decided I was ready to get married again, I think it was the next day, I went out, I saw my husband across the room, started chatting him up, we were talking, 20 minutes later, he said, let's go to Vegas and get married, and we were married in Vegas in six weeks. Oh my gosh, are you serious? Seriously. Oh my gosh. That was like 17 years ago. I was ready. I was like, done deal. So I went, so in my brain, I calculated the key requirements, which is... I needed someone like he was cute, he was brilliant, so he's a PhD, he's from the Midwest, family-oriented, parents still together, moved up there with a girlfriend, they broke up, which means he's relationship-oriented. And so what was I to him? I was fun, I was assertive where I talked to him, and I'm probably the only Manhattan girl that loves snakes, and he is a snake reptile (laughs) specialist. Um, And I had a great record collection. Lisa, let me ask. Let's say Sharon came into you as as a matchmaker and said, Lisa Matchmaker, I need your help. Like, walk me through the process. How would you start? So there are a couple things that, that, like, number one, um, I think that if your value system is... God and religion, and yet there is a disconnect with wanting kids. I think the younger you was probably attracting a lot of men that if their priority was God, they probably wanted to build a family. That's Mm -hmm. kind of the mainstay. So I totally think that that is a barrier that is really important to point out. Um, Have you talked to your friends or family? Have they given their feedback of what they think might be the barrier? Yes, we certainly talk about it a lot. And and sometimes my sisters will tell me I'm too picky, which I certainly realize is a possibility. For example, I, I'm relatively tall, and I really want someone who's taller than me. How tall are you? Um, almost 5'9". Okay, height. Let's say you need 5'10 yeah. plus. Is that right? Right, exactly. Okay. Um, what other things? Yeah, so other things that are important to me is someone who is fiscally responsible Another thing would be um, it's really important that they're that they're smart. <laughs> um, I've been told in the past by men and women that they find me intimidating because I have a career and because I have a master's degree and and because I've you know lived a lot of places and had a lot of experience. And so I'm looking for someone that can hold a good conversation. So so far, you do not sound picky to me. Um, just letting you know. Th- these are all <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> incredibly reasonable. Um, I think that discovering what is happening at the age of 38 onward, if you're open to dating someone, let's say, in their mid-40s, that the whole mm-hmm. kid thing is no longer an issue, I actually think that's going to be a major advantage to you. Let's say there's a couple men that reach out that they accept that you mm-hmm. don't want kids, they're okay about the not having premarital sex and God is a priority in their life. Have you had any of those dates? Uh, I would say two or three in the last five years. Uh, 
once or twice they never called me again, which is, you know, which is fine. Or they texted and said, it was nice to meet you, but I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, one particular situation I felt like was the best first date of my whole life. And we had amazing time. We talked for hours and then he never called me again. So uh, I I will say that I don't enjoy... Uh, I don't enjoy first dates. I'm not sure that a lot of people do. Maybe some do. But I I find dating, I'll be up front, dating is scary to me because it's something that I haven't done very much. I don't like first dates. I don't enjoy the dating process at all. I think mostly because I've never had a great experience dating. That's a common thing. Just FYI, I think a lot of people find it hard. (laughs) But I think you in particular, because... It's so challenging. It's not like you're going out and making out with someone. And mm-hmm. I, I'd say that um, I'm also wondering why it's only been like a couple guys in a couple years that have come from this. Because generally speaking, there are a lot more possibilities, even with the requirements of of God and no kids. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering why there's such a scarcity of options. Right. And, and I think there's a little part of me, um, I don't trust myself when it comes to dating. So I'm, I, I'm concerned that when I, when I, and I'm almost always the one that, that cuts things off. Uh, so I'll go on a date. I don't really feel any connection. And so I'm like, I just, I'm not feeling it. I don't really want to go on a second date. Let me ask you something on this. Cause, cause that's surprising to me that you're the one who, who's cutting this off. Why not just say, Hey, it wasn't, I wasn't in love in first sight, but why not just go on a second date? What's, what's stopping you from just taking a flyer? I'm trying to remember the last time I had a date. I think it's been four years. (laughs) trying to remember what it happened gosh but I, I think the fact that you're saying it's four years that's like number one that's an issue <laughs> i know i think there's so much here that that we're not even you know you're saying that you want to run a marathon and you're still in bed you know so <laughs> i would say that's True. the biggest issue how, how many how many dates do you think sharon should be going on i would say at least Two a month, at okay. least, oh at least, <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, that, that doesn't sound like very many to me, but no. But, but it sounds like to Sharon, like, what does that make you feel if if you hear two a month? That sounds exhausting. But I mean, think about it from the perspective of like, you know, one one every two years to two a month. That um, math is not my strength, but whatever time, that's like a thousand times more dates. So our first big lesson is that Sharon needs to go on a lot more dates. But that's easier said than done. How do you get over that fear of rejection and inertia and, you know, making a big change? When we come back, Lisa will give us a plan. This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Choiceology is a show all about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Each episode shares the latest research in behavioral science and dives into themes like, can we learn to make smarter decisions and the power of do-overs? The show is hosted by Katie Milkman. She's an award-winning behavioral scientist, professor at the Wharton School, and author of the best-selling book, How to Change. 
In each episode, Katie talks to authors, historians, athletes, Nobel laureates, and everyday people about why we make irrational choices and how we can make better ones to avoid costly mistakes. Listen and subscribe at schwab.com slash podcast, or find it wherever you listen. On Death, Sex, and Money, we feature interviews with you, our community of listeners, getting honest about uncomfortable things. I developed an illness where it isn't safe for me to drive. A friend once said to me, sex is like air. You don't think about it until you're not getting enough. This is a similar sort of thing if you just replace sex with driving. Listen to Death, Sex, and Money wherever you get podcasts. We're back with our listener, Sharon, and professional matchmaker, Lisa Clampett. And the first big step to making a change, particularly when it feels like it's a little bit risky, Lisa says, is honestly asking yourself, do you really want this? If so, you have to decide to commit, even when you know it could be a little bit painful. If you felt like Mm -hmm. you could get through the obstacle of the discomfort in dating and you could actually go out and date. Because I, I'd say that this is a common thing. And I, I mean, how much easier right. it is, is it to walk away from a relationship or a marriage than to do the work? So how much mm-hmm, do you mm-hmm. want this? And is it a priority mm-hmm. for you? In my heart of hearts, I would love to be married. And if if I can be more effective for Christ as a married person, if we can, if I can serve somebody else, or we could serve God together more effectively than as a single person, then I want to be married. Yes, Sharon, let me push on this a little bit more. If someone came to you and they said, I want a job, I really want a job, and you said, how many applications have you have you submitted? How many resumes have you dropped off? And they said, well, I dropped off one four years ago. What would you make of that? Well, I think that <laughs> that uh, they're being not they're not being proactive, uh, and I think, I mean, point taken. But there's, uh, gosh, I'm, I have always wanted love to be organic, <laughs> and I feel like I don't like the idea. It doesn't s- sound very romantic to turn dating into a job, uh, but at this point, if that's what gets the job done, then the ultimate goal is to get married, not to determine how I fall in love. You're setting yourself up for failure in the sense of um, it's an idealized, reciprocal being in love of a 23-year-old versus (laughs) what your goal is as a 38-year-old woman wanting to get married. You've got to create a game plan to soldier through it, to get that exposure, to get that experience to be connected to someone in this different way that's not the glorified 23-year-old Sharon, but the new Mm -hmm. 38-year-old I want to get married Sharon. So here's the rule. If you want to make a big change, particularly one that seems scary, you just have to accept it. It is not going to be like a fairy tale. There will be no Prince Charming that suddenly appears. Instead, it's all about being pragmatic, about coming up with a plan and then doing the work. And then you take notes. You get home and you write in your diary, like, 
what was it like going out with this guy? What did I discover from him? What did I really like? Like, explore this guy. Get to know the many Mm -hmm. layers that he is. And that is where you start building that familiarity that you were talking about that you want. You're building a foundation of a, a friendship, which is a marriage. Here's another rule. Take notes. Because we're human, we all have a tendency to experience something and then to forget what we learned from that experience. And so it isn't romantic, but if you take notes or if you keep a spreadsheet about your dates, you'll start to see your own patterns much faster. When Lisa says you should go on two dates a month, and that sounds like a huge amount to you, like overwhelming, which which would still give you like 28 days a month when you're not going on a date, right? (laughs) Right. What what is it about those dates that makes two a month seem so exhausting? I hate that feeling of just not being at all interested in this person and then having to either wait for them to cut things off or for me to say, you know what, I'm not feeling it. Let's, you know, let's not meet up again. What if you looked at each date as just an experiment where where you don't actually anticipate that you're going to have another date? What if you looked Mm -hmm. at at dating as just a series of literally just meeting someone interesting with no expectations that it would ever be anything else? Do you think that would make it easier for you? Because it sounds like you're carrying a lot of a lot of sort of fraught anticipation into these dates that maybe yes, makes them harder. Yes. I, I I wish I could view it that way. I um that would be <laughs> that would that would bring a lot of relief, I feel like. Um I I like I said, I think I'm holding a lot of uh anxiety, not about actually dating, because I, I love meeting people and small talk is easy for me and those kinds of things. So that's it's not the actual date, it's the fear of having to turn him down for a second date. So I think that you've got to just draft a text that you send them, which lets you off the hook. I'm telling <laughs> you, it's a Let's do it right now. Let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's work it out like right that. now. Okay, Say, so let's, let's workshop this. Okay, John, it was really wonderful meeting you. Um, we're not a match, but I want you to know that I very much enjoy that you took me out for coffee, and I wish you the best of luck. It was great meeting you. End of story. Done. Move on. Click. Send. Done. So, Sharon, let me ask you this. <laughs> It, what, okay. If you were to type that into your into your phone before you even go on the date, mm-hmm. right before you meet John, mm-hmm. you type in exactly <laughs> yeah. what Lisa just said. Right. You don't hit yes. send because you haven't actually met the guy yet. <laughs> right. But when you know that when you get home, if it if you if there wasn't a connection there, literally all you have to do is hit send, and you never have to think about it again. Does that does that erase some of the fear for you? I think so. I think that's that's the majority of it. But what if I'm what if I send that text and I just, you know, maybe he was having a bad, a bad first date or something. And I'm, I'm concerned that I'm too quick to to cut someone off. Let's say let's say Sharon goes on this date and she likes the guy. He's nice. But she knows that she's not going to end up marrying him. Should she go on a second date anyways? I don't think that you can know who you're going to end up marrying from a first date um, if there's no deal breakers. Um, so I would say yes, because she doesn't know. She doesn't, she doesn't have Mm -hmm. that experience to be able to make that decision. This is the next rule. Figure out the hardest part of whatever you're trying to do and then do it first. Write that breakup text before the date so that it's easy to hit send when you get home. But by the same token, don't read too much into things if they don't go according to plan. 
So even if the text is already written, that doesn't mean you have to send it. Stop, stop overthinking it. I'm telling you, that's how life happens. Just stop getting in your head about it and just make it happen. The worst case scenario in six months from now and 50 dates later, you say like, wow, this is not for me. I think once you get over the resistance and the fear and you start making it happen, it gets easier and easier. And then suddenly it like creates access into your life. And I do what I do because I truly believe 100% we're meant to be with somebody. I really believe that. And I think that a lot of us put fear in the way as an obstacle for resistance. And then you just got to get off of that and start running. Sharon, let me ask you something. How long ago did you move to Nashville? A year ago. A year ago. How, how many churches did you visit before you decided to invest in the church that you you attend now maybe five or six okay so that's that's a good number of churches and it sounds like you actually have spent more time thinking about the church you want to attend and experimenting and doing research than looking for the person that you you want to marry again i keep coming back to the i i want it to just be organic where i meet someone and you know we just fall in love and lisa let me ask how many how many couples have you put together Hundreds. And how many of them would you say it was organic? It was kind of love at first sight. It it just, it all magically came together. So organic is such a misconception. Um, we historically have been matched up by communities and religious <laughs> yeah, groups. And so when people talk Parents. about, yeah, I mean, so so we're actually going back to the roots of of connection and what has taken us away is urban environments and so coming back to online to matchmakers to to churches it's literally that's the organic it's not the other way around yeah it, it's interesting mm-hmm. cuz uh, you know i i met my wife in college and a lot of my friends met their spouses in college and and i don't think for any of us it was it was love at first sight. If anything, and and I don't think for any of us it was organic. I actually don't think for any of us it was easy. It's a practical decision, right? Yeah, Th- that's I, I that's mm-hmm. common. Yeah. That is like that's a relationship shockingly. is yeah. work and it's a job. Even it, finding a relationship is a job. Once you're in the relationship, it's a job. It's this thing that you decide to do together because. Because you like being employed more than you like being unemployed. As we grow older, it takes more of an effort. I'll give you an example of um, someone who came to me was a 60-year-old man, and he had never had a girlfriend. 60 years old. He was short. He was 5'3", and in his mind, Mm -hmm. he was a troll and undesirable, Mm -hmm. and no one wanted him, and he was ready to move on with life and die single. And um, a lawyer friend of his said, you know what? I know this matchmaker, Lisa Clampett. Go see. Just before you, like, bury yourself in a coffin, (laughs) go see. Right. So he came, Mm -hmm. and what I saw— is, first of all, to me, he looked like a big, bigger guy. I actually took out a measuring tape. I was like, you're not 5'3", you're amazing. (laughs) Um, He was funny. He was kind. He was brilliant. He was Mm -hmm. a self-taught violinist. What he needed is he needed to sort of look at himself in a different way. We spiffied him up, and, and I 
reprogrammed <laughs> him to thinking troll, to thinking funny, kind, self-starter, entrepreneur, unbelievable. So after months of working together, we found him, this girlfriend, and they've been together eight years, and he looks like a movie star walking down the street. I mean, mm. unbelievable change of life. But literally, he came in with a little fanny pack and an old 1970s <laughs> mustache and and just was like in a little like ball of his, his misery of what he was projecting. And it was his obstacle. And so what are the barriers that you're putting up front? Like, all these things could really turn around if you really wanted to. If you changed your mindset, I, I pretty much would say that you could be married within the next year or two. Here's the last rule. Once you've decided you really want this and you've committed to it and you've started taking notes and conducting experiments and you're at peace with the fact that it might not be like a fairy tale, then remember to work on your mindset. You are an amazing person. You can do this. You've done amazing things already in your life. Finding a husband is nothing compared to what you've already done. You already have everything you need. I would say start by first envision the motivation, envision what is it like being married, but then take a step back and, and really look at, like, what are all the qualities that are fabulous in you? Like, what would make you an amazing wife? And then all the amazing qualities of, like, who you are and what you could lead with and start sort of programming the essence of like you as that best self, that interesting, engaging, nurturing, funny, amazing woman that shows up and then get on dating sites, put, be very specific about who you are and what you're looking for, but take that list of all the amazing pieces of you and make it fun right after you have your requirements. Start going out on dates. So, Sharon, let me ask you, mm -hmm. are you willing to go on a date next week? <laughs> yes. Yeah? Sure. I'm okay. willing. So, okay, so okay. are you signed up for any dating sites right now? Um, One right now. Which one? Bumble. Bumble. Okay, Bumble. Bumble is is interesting because Bumble is um, proactive on the woman's side. So it's very interesting that you chose Bumble. I, I don't have any issue initiating a conversation. Um, that's not a problem for me whatsoever. Guys seem to just want to meet immediately without without any texting back and forth. It, do I need to to compromise and just be willing to go on dates? Or is it okay for me to want to get to know a few more things about them before I do that? You, you got to go on a date next week, right? We've already established that. You're not going to have that much time for back and yeah. forth. Why not just... Make a date and go out with someone who you've only texted back and forth with, you know, less than a dozen times. Like, what's the downside? I need to. I need. I need some guts. I need to be uh, willing to take some chances, and uh, I think uh, also maybe having some accountability. So maybe finding uh, a, a friend or a family member who I can I can talk to about this. So maybe maybe can we make one more rule, Sharon? What if you <laughs> throw it on with all the rest? <laughs> what if you have to tell your sister for accountability? What if what if you need to set up an accountability system? What if as soon right. as we're done yeah. with this phone call, the next phone call you yes. make is to your sister 
to tell her uh-huh. what your plan is and that as long as this guy is not an atheist or an axe murderer <laughs> or someone who's like, look, I can't wait to have eight children, as long as he's not right, one of those, right, right. <laughs> that you are going to go on a second date with him and that your sister has to hold you accountable. The the whole plan is a little overwhelming, but if I if I take it in little pieces, it's not so bad. Like one step at a time, right? Well, and let me ask, would it be crazy if we were to say, as a goal, you are going to have your first kiss at the age of thirty eight or thirty nine in the year twenty twenty? Oh, I think it's it's certainly possible. Would you like that? Yeah, because that means that that would mean that I'm well down the road of of my dating life. Okay, so twenty twenty. Sharon's first kiss. (laughs) The year of the kiss. The The year year of of the the kiss. kiss. (laughs) Yes, I like it. Thank you to Sharon for opening up and sharing her story with us. And thank you to Lisa Clampett for her great advice. If you are interested in her services, you can find her online at lisaclampett, that's C-L-A-M-P-I-T-T, dot com. And here's a quick update from Sharon. Hey guys, I think you're going to be very impressed with the progress that I've made. I have joined two more dating sites. I attempted to go on a date last weekend and he stood me up, but whatever, his loss, right? And then I did actually go on a date yesterday. So it was not what I would call an instant connection or a match. And in the past, I probably would have turned him down for a second date. But according to your rules, I can't do that. So I will give him a second try. Uh, Wish me luck. Bye. Good luck, Sharon. We hope he's a good kisser. Do you have a question of the heart or really any other kind of question that needs a solution? If so, you should send us a note at howto@slate.com and we will do everything we can to help. How-To's executive producer is Derek John. Rachel Allen is our production assistant, and Merritt Jacob is our engineer. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown. June Thomas is the senior managing producer of Slate Podcasts, and Gabriel Roth is Slate's editorial director for audio. Special thanks to Asha Saluja and Sung Park. I'm Charles Duhigg. Stay romantic. <laughs>